It's August 30th. I'm Rich Fraser, and this is Cockatrice Nuggets. Hi, Rich. Colin Spiper here. Great episode, mate. Um, glad you got it. Well, glad you took the time to re-record it and you, it didn't just get lost. Um, yeah, keep us posted on your travel rules. They sound really interesting. Um, sound like it, you know, really put the icing on the cake for your your session. Uh, I like your shout out for the Die of Fate. I'm a, a big fan of the Die of Fate and random roles in general, you know. Like you said, um, they make it exciting for the DM. You're playing to see what happens. So, yeah, I'd like to know a little bit more about how you're doing your group checks. And I was also in, interested in the the 2D20 morale check. So uh, I don't know if I misunderstood you or misheard you, but uh, loving your homebrew ideas, and I'll check out your blog, mate. Cheers. Just a quick follow-up to uh, answer Colin's question here, which... Uh... Maybe many of you had, maybe none of you had. Um, anyway, so uh, first of all, group checks. I am using them straight out of the player's handbook. Um, I set a DC. Generally, stealth is the group check that I make a lot. So I set a DC, which is usually the creature's passive perception. I go around the table, make everybody roll a stealth check. If more than half of the people get it, then it goes over. Um, I don't necessarily like this. Uh, in my last campaign, Every character, it seemed like, had stealth except for one. So there was always, you know, a group of six thieves and the seventh was a um, fighter clanging around in plate mail armor. Actually, I had two fighters clanging around in plate and chain. So um, it, it really removes the immersiveness when you sit and think of it like that. Um, I've heard lots of stories, or not, not lots of stories, I've heard lots of reasons, like um, the ones who are more... Uh, stealthy can help the less stealthy ones by maybe padding their armor or, you know, making them walk in a certain way, kind of coaching them along, right? Um, Angry DM started revising rules so he could uh, um, plug in other options to 5e. Um, I, I haven't seen much on that since I initially read it. Um, I think it was a long time ago. Uh, he did some revised stuff for group checks, um, some revised stuff for help action um, that I kind of liked. Um, I, I read those in my last campaign, and I wanted to bring them forward. I, I pitched the idea to my group, and I, I just had someone in my group who shot down everything that I brought up. Um, if he didn't agree with it, it was not a good idea. Um, the example that I remember, and I think I've said on this podcast, is uh, they were, tra- were traveling, um, if it were on the earth, it would have been north of Alaska in the mountains. Um, and even though they had cold weather gear, I made them take check, uh, made them uh, do checks versus exhaustion. Um, he whined about that for, uh, the, the whole time he was in my group, uh, it would come up every once in a while. Well, if Rich says we need to take, make a... Uh, exhaustion checks then we need to make exhaustion checks right it was that kind of thing so um still a little bitter about that can you tell hold a little resentment gotta let that go um anyway so that it really fell flat with him and he was the vocal minority who spoke out against it so if and the way i feel about my group if someone's that passionate about something then i'm just not going to do it right because i don't want to 
I don't want to make that game. I, I don't want to make the game bad for any of my players. Okay, so if someone objects to a rule, we'll find a way to work around it. Um, that being said, I may go back and take a look at that and do some tweaking because uh, I don't think he ever finished what he was doing on that. Um, happens a lot with Angry GM because he's got a lot of irons in the fire, I think. And uh, oh my God, is he verbose? Um, he that. That, that's the blog that I dread reading the most because I spend the most time reading. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, the second question was on my 2D20 morale check. Um, it wasn't a 2D20 morale check. It was a, a D20 morale check for each drider. Um, the, and this is straight out of the DMG for 5th edition as well. Um, so basically, it's a... Um, uh, D20 roll versus a certain DC. I don't remember what it is. I don't remember if I said it or if it's in the DMG. I just looked it up real quick while I was at the table. Thank God for D&D Beyond. I love that thing. I can type six words in and, you know, get to my page uh, way faster than I could if I was flipping through a book looking for a rule that I seldom use like morale, um, which I'm starting to use a little more often. Um, so... Uh, yeah, just pretty much a straight roll with a wisdom modifier. Um, if they pass, they stay. If they fail, they run. Um, I am, like I said, planning on using that more. Um, I'm setting up a DM screen in OneNote that's going to have all those little remembered rules that I use. Um, I really don't like the DM screen that they put out. Um, it's got a lot of stuff on it that I just already know, right? Um, and might be helpful to the players. So if I use the screen, maybe I'd turn that around so they could see it. <laughs> uh, I don't know, with binoculars or something, because uh, my table's pretty long and that print's pretty small. Anyway, so yeah, morale check. Um, I think they had some modifiers in the 5th edition DMG, um, although I am a big fan of the 1st edition DMG. I love this book. Um, I've always had it. I've always used it. Um, when I played 2nd edition, it was... It was a big part of my second edition game. Um, I, 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 I stopped playing D&D, &D so I gave all my books away. But when I started role-playing again, I started with Mutants and Masterminds. Um, I thought, because I wanted to do a superheroes things, thing with my kids, but they weren't into it, so that kind of got shelved. Anyway, I bought the I think two, core, two of the core books for Mutant and Mastermind and the first edition DMG because I wanted to go back there. I wanted to remember that stuff that Gary said. Um, I think my favorite quote is, uh, a campaign can have no, uh, God, I just wrote it the other day and can never remember the exact wording, can have no significance, lasting significance if accurate time is not kept. And, uh, this is one of those things that I love doing, right? I, I, I love being able to say, oh, it's this day, you know? Um, in my last campaign, somebody brought it up. And I said, well, you never asked what day it was. And they looked at me and said, well, Rich, what day is it? And I told them. And they were, like, amazed that I knew. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm playing rules straight from the 5th uh, edition books this time, Player's Handbook DMG. And um, going to probably add, sprinkle some 1st edition AD&D uh, DMG stuff in there because I love it. Man, there's... There's no better of a book. Um, although the 5th edition DMG comes close. 
uh, although I would never recommend that to someone who's dungeon mastering because it is definitely uh, an ancillary product. It is not something that explains a lot about dungeon mastering and the only thing you need in there to play a game is the magic items and you really don't need those. All right, so a uh, short one turns out to be almost 10 minutes. Thanks for the calling. Colin, thanks for reminding or letting me know about my audio quality. Um, I'm trying to work on that. I have no idea what's going on with it though. So uh, yeah, uh, that's all the nuggets for today. I'll talk to you guys later. After I finished recording that, I got home and got some good news. One of my old players uh, messaged me on Facebook and uh, she wants to start playing again. Uh, we've talked in the past uh, maybe two months about this happening. Uh, this is my old campaign, which we took a break right before the exciting climax, the Lich Battle. They had just found out that the king that they were suspicious was trying to become a Lich had already been a Lich, and he was trying to find the formula so he could destroy it so nobody else could compete with him. Also, he was completing a ritual that was going to bury the lands underwater. Um, my players kind of poked some holes in that. How's that going to happen? Is the water going to flood everywhere? Is the oceans going to rise? What's going to happen there? I didn't exactly think that through, but it's very exciting. Uh, the king has been uh, turning his loyal subjects into um, uh, undead. Uh, some of those include the party member's family. How exciting. You get to fight mom and dad. Um... They have an airship, so they may attack from the sky. They may not. We'll find out. Uh, it, it, it's all looking very exciting. Um, the problem is I have two weeks to plan it. <laughs> now, this is something I've been thinking about for a long time. And basically, I want an adventure's day worth of crap in one encounter. Um, there's going to be waves. I've already... Um, set up uh, a cliff battle. I don't know if anyone's looked at my previous uh, picture, but I had a like a styrofoam-ish, a foam board set up uh, with ramps and stuff. Uh, it's 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 going to be very exciting. Uh, 3D terrain for the first time, um, and two weeks to prepare. So I, I need to finish the train tonight, and then I'll start working on the encounters and the encounter areas. Um, the, the the ramps that I designed for the cliffs are less high than I imagined. Um, there is less distance. Um, I don't want to take up the whole table for God's sake. Um, and I still don't know how I'm going to do it because, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be hard. I don't, I'm going to have to put everyone on one side of the table. Or actually what I think I'm going to do is put the table put the diorama on its own table and, uh, have people come up to the table to move their guys around. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be an evening of combat. It's going to be a feast of destruction and, uh, no guarantees on what's going to happen. Right. Um, I've already got uh, my escape planned out some little simulacrum shenanigans and, uh, Hey, a lich hides his phylactery really good, right? As long as it's on the same plane, uh, he can feed its souls. But, uh, you know, if you're really worried about something happening, you don't need to feed it souls for a few days. You can uh, hide it on another plane. So, uh, yeah, going with something like that. Um, let me see. Is there anything else I want to say about this? Um, I'm, I'm just super excited. I can't wait. Um, I'm uh, getting ready to plan the encounters. And once, 
once I get going, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stop. So tonight I'm going to start on um, my my terrain or finish on my terrain and then I'll probably end up painting it. Uh, and then I'm going to start working on the encounters. And uh, yeah, I'm real excited to put Zoe back on hold for a while and go back to this uh, this homebrew world that I that I amalgamated from many different things. Uh, the players, the, the places the players have seen are are both from uh, Midgard. They uh, journeyed into Morgu and Duresh. Uh, I, I love that subterranean ghouls and vampires up top kind of feeling. I'm really into the gothic. Uh, I love Ravenloft. I tried to get the players to play a Ravenloft campaign uh, when I restarted this Zobek campaign. Um, but nobody was into it. Everybody's like, oh, I already played Curse of Straw. And I was like, yeah, but we're not going to play Curse of Straw. <laughs> we're going to play Ravenloft. Uh, I had the Demiplane, right? You remember that? Uh, I don't know if there was fourth edition supplements for it, but I know there was third edition. And uh, I played very heavily in second edition with the Ravenloft box set. Um, so I love that gothic, dark feel, which my campaigns already have kind of a tinge to. Um, my Zobat campaign, though, is a lot lighter. Someone mentioned that, uh, how less bleak everything looks. <laughs> and it, it's more of a happy punch you in the face place, which is is what I presented, right? I, I wanted that two-fisted two fisted bolt feel um, with a little more, little more grit. So um, it's not as uh, dark and gothic and um, noir. Noir is what I really like. The no matter what you do, you're you're facing a hundred bad decisions, and not one of them is good, but some of them are less bad. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to uh, get into this, and uh, I'm sure you'll hear much more about it uh, later this week. So uh, yeah, talk to you later.